0: Our guest today comes from France. His name is Philippe Riveron. He is CEO of Learning Tribes. It's actually a husband and wife story, a team who grew their partnership from just the two of them to 10 people and then to being acquired by Cytel an international BPO or business process outsourcing and consulting business with over 75,000 associates in 27 countries. Learning Tribes today itself now has over 600 employees and associates. It's a wonderful story. This is episode 59 of the Training Business Podcast. Here we go. Hey. And welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Welcome to the show. My name is Mark Garrett-Hayes, and this is the podcast for you, for training business owners, training business professionals, learning coaches, consultants, all around the world. And the premise or goal of this episode today, Thursday, the last Thursday in October 2019, and of course, every other episode this year and last year, it's the same. It's to help you to start to grow and to scale your training business. Now, I know from comments that you like stories of entrepreneurship, I do too. So when I come across success stories in the training business, I ask myself questions like, how did they do that? How did she or he build that training consultancy? How do they get from one or two people to 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 people? You could be an independent trainer or coach listening to this right now today and you, you could think, you know what, I'm happy being a small business owner, but, but maybe you're also thinking, I would love to grow and to scale my training business, and this is why we like bringing you success stories such as that of David McDermott, uh, Managing Director of Edomidas, back in episode 46, or Chris Crosby, CEO of Tra- uh, TMA World, in episode 49, looking at my notes here, or Nick Smallman, ceo of working voices only a couple of weeks ago now as i said today uh today's guest is a guy called philippe riveron he is ceo of learning tribes and he's speaking to us today live from miami here we go philippe good morning and welcome to the show thank you mark for having me my pleasure you're speaking to us live this morning from miami Correct. My, and, beautiful Miami, yes. Oh, and it's a hard life, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> so um, you're from France originally, and you currently are CEO of a company called Learning Tribes. So let's start with that. What gave you the name Learning Tribes? Uh, this is an interesting... It was not the, the name at the beginning when
1: I founded the company 15 years ago. Uh, the name was Learning CRM because we were coming from... Um, the BPO and the call center industry, but uh, by the years, uh, we understand that the name was a little bit restricted uh, compared to what we can offer to our clients. So we wanted to change the name. And one of my guess is um, uh, learning is a social activity. So we were ter- turning around this social uh, world, and uh, the tribe became very quickly. Uh, So tribe means social, but also it's a good way for internal purpose. Uh, I always talk about my tribes all over the world. So it's good for external uh, to talk about social uh, learning, but also internal to uh, motivate people around the tribes.
0: Okay. So currently you're based in Miami. Um, you have 100 people working for you internally, and you have, I think, 500 people externally, 500 associates and partners, etc. Yes. Uh... Okay. But, but you began just you and your wife, Nancy, back in 2004. So tell us the story, how you started from two people, just you and Nancy, and now today you have 100 people working for you full-time and a team of... 500 people or so associates externally? Uh, the story is, um, is
1: interesting for me because we have uh, obviously uh, started to work together with my wife, not in the corporate training industry, but more in, um, in the um, uh, BPO industry. So at this time, um, I was... Um, CRM director for a telco company um, and I was really frustrated by uh, the training. Why? Because in the telco company you need to train every day. You've got new products, new offer, uh, new process, new tools. Uh, it means that training is a big part uh, uh, of our uh, business in telecommunication. Right, and and I couldn't afford the, the training with only trainers, so face to face training. So I was wondering 15 years ago if I can put some e-learning content in, inside. Mm. So it came to me, um, uh, and I decided to create my own company uh, to create the first blended learning uh, company uh, for a call center. So that was really the beginning. I was the sales guy and my wife was the instructional designer.
0: Okay. So, so had you uh, or your wife any experience of creating training programs and selling them to corporate businesses before this point? Not, not really, uh, to be honest. Uh, I think
1: training is a, uh, there is a French word, we call it good sense. So if you understand the business, uh, you can think about tra- training and how to create the best uh, the best training. And uh, the customer experience is not so far, and we will see during uh, this podcast, uh, you've got some uh, uh, same approach. When we talk about, for example, blended learning in mm-hmm. the customer experience, we call
0: it omnichannel. Uh, Sorry, did you say omni-channel? Yes, correct. Okay, omni-channel, right. Okay.
1: Um, So, no, we didn't have um, any experience even if uh, my wife came from uh, more uh, uh, university background. So it means that she knew knew how to create things, but uh, not for the corporate uh, training industry. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. So then, that brings us up. Then I think to 2010, and then you, you, incre- you by that time you had increased the number of employees. So where were you in 2010, which is only what is it uh, nine years ago at this point? Yes, 2010. Uh, it's interesting to see
1: that we um, before that 2007. Um we decided to merge with a group called Cytel Group, okay. a BPO. Yeah. Um, two reasons for that. And uh, when you are a small company, a startup, but 15 years ago, startup was not so, so uh, uh, trendy uh, at this time. Um, it was really hard to work with a Fortune 500 clients. Why? Because we were a very small company and... Even if our solution was really interesting for uh, those uh, Fortune 500 clients, when we started to negotiate with purchasing department, procurement department, uh, they always said, oh, it's good, but you are too small. It's too uh, risky for us, for our business. So we decided to grow faster. And the best way for us was to merge with an industrial partner. And the CyTel group uh, was the right partner for us because it allows us to um, discuss with a huge client in the BPO industry and for Cytel it was a a great way to start diversification not only sell the agent um, a call center but also some uh, uh, valuable services uh, like
0: uh, like training. Okay so at that point um, you hadn't shall we say, large uh, corporates or large businesses as clients. So you feel that by being acquired by Cytel, that suddenly gave you exposure to the kinds of organizations who wouldn't think twice because you're now part of Cytel. Previously, as a small company, it was a struggle to be taken seriously or perhaps to, to be hired by large organizations, the kinds of companies which you have as clients today
1: exactly this okay. is a this is the point and I can tell you when we merge uh, in two thousand seven um, we have signed up two months after four big main uh men main, uh, clients mm-hmm. and so it was really the case. We didn't need, to be honest, a lot of funding. Uh, we were not looking for any funding. Uh, we were looking for um, security for uh, for our client, I could say. Mm. Was that uh,
0: was that something which gave you um, any doubt? The idea that you would no longer be completely in control, but that you would now be under the control to some degree of a third party. In other words. Had you any regrets or doubts about being acquired by Cytel?
1: Or like every entrepreneur, we have doped. <laughs> I think if you don't have doped, uh, it could be dangerous for your business. Um, but um, honestly, what we bring into the mix is uh, expertise. And if you are an expert and keep this expertise, even if you are in a big, large uh, group, as as we are inside Saitel, um, we are always recognized as expert. So we, ke- we can keep. A sort of uh, freedom, I could say, or uh, at least a dependency. And for our, for our clients, it's also important that to understand that, of course, we are part of a big group, so it uh, it gives more confidence uh, in terms of uh, finance, in terms of security, and so on. But uh, being also independent, not a department, a line of business, uh, is a, is something uh, which is um, strategic for us. So we we could keep our uh, own
0: autonomy. Right. Okay. So at that point, you're now part of Cytel Group, Cytel Group for people who have not heard of the business, has, according to their website and I think Bloomberg, 75,000 associates in 27 countries worldwide, approximately $1.7 billion in revenue. So no small business by any means. Now you've got clients on your books uh, such as uh, Nestlé, Royal uh, the international um, beauty, beauty product company, Fanofi, Sephora, etc. What is it like to to attract businesses like that? Is that difficult to to get in the door of organizations of that size and reputation?
1: Of course, it's a long uh, process. Huh? Being a, a part of uh, uh, of the procurement process is always a uh, long, so it's um, it, it requires a lot of uh, effort, but uh, trust. Uh, it means that you need to. They always have their own uh, supplier and vendors. So uh, coming uh, to this uh, big uh, company is it means that you will bring into the game some uh, innovation. Or you will bring uh, uh, some, yeah, some innovation. I could, I could say. Uh, so it's a long process. Uh, I can tell you, we got I will, we get Orange. You know, the big company Orange. Orange, uh, the,
0: the telecommunications company.
1: Yes, so right. it was a 3 years process in order to start to work with them. Um, but um, meeting them, let them understand what we can bring in terms of value uh, and, and so on. But I need to say today, mm-hmm. <clears throat> those big companies are more uh, open to work with startups. And uh, all of those companies, huge one, have uh, uh, some startup program in order to help small companies to work with them more and more. So I think the life is a little bit easier for small companies who want to try to work with them
0: than what we had uh, 15 or 10 years ago. So if I could paraphrase that, to to people listening to this right now, you're effectively saying, uh, take heart If, if there are organizations of the size, the magnitude of companies like Nestle and Fanofi and so on, and Orange, of course, that um, it doesn't mean just because you're a small training business, a small consultancy, that you shouldn't consider trying to approach them and to be onboarded as a client or as a provider in some capacity. Exactly. Okay. So you mentioned innovation there. What, what exactly makes learning tribes different? from your competitors because in the pre-call or the, the conversation before this one, which we're recording today, um, you mentioned three things or three main ways in which you feel that learning tribes are different from other training providers in your marketplace. Let's, let's talk about that for a moment.
1: Yes, of course. Maybe the first one is uh, being part of Citel Group. It means that uh, we are at the same place of our clients. Uh, we are managing the corporate university of Citel called uh, My Academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously, and it's a way to uh, test and learn uh, some innovation. So being part of uh, of CITEL group gives us the ability to uh, test uh, some people test some technology test some process and some new things so and ob- we can do and we can when we test and we make some proof of concept inside Cytel, we can showcase not only uh, our product but also our uh, return on investment so that's uh, the first Big, uh, big thing. Uh, as I said every time when I'm, I'm meeting with a chief learning officer in, in those uh, huge uh, uh, company, I said I am the like a, a chief learning officer inside Citadel, and we are talking the same
0: language. Ah, uh, okay. So it's important that um, if you're trying to get in the door of companies like this, you've got to understand the language and and the job, the world of, of a chief learning officer in those corporations. What is it they would need from you? What what kind of problems do they have that you can help them to solve?
1: Yes, and and we are talking uh, a lot about uh, our big challenges. Our challenge is how to manage. uh, We've got seven uh, languages, official languages inside uh, Site Health. Uh, How you manage the content around seven languages. Uh, We are talking about uh, how to leverage the Production of content and, and to, to produce faster. So, we are talking about user genera- generated content, mm-hmm. for example. So, we, we are talking the same language.
0: Okay. So, how other ways, what, what other ways are you different from other learning <laughs> providers? Yes. So the, the second one, I, I do think it's
1: about innovation, what we can uh, and we, what we can test. And um, innovation is something which is uh, global today uh, and we've got offices in uh, four main uh, regions. The first one is the US, mm-hmm. um, the second one is Brazil, third one is uh, uh, France and the last one but not least is uh, China in uh, in Shanghai. Um uh, having those offices uh, help us to bring innovation and we put our research uh, and development lab in uh, in Shanghai. Uh why in, in China? China became in 2017 the first investor in uh, education they need to change their workforce, they need to um, grow and skill up their workforce. They, want, they, they came from uh, the factory of the world, and now in these centuries, they want to be the technology of the world. So it means that they are spending a lot of money in K-12, but also in uh, corporate training in order to change uh, the skill set of their uh, workforce.
0: So how how so, big is the Chinese market for you? I mean, the Chinese
1: market—it's—it's always up because you don't have a lot of study on the corporate uh, side, but it's—it's uh, it's a big, uh, a big one. This is where we've got uh, the, in average, it's twenty-two percent uh, of growth every year in terms of uh, uh, average on the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, for learning tribes, uh, it's, it's the beginning. Uh, we have uh, launched uh, China three years ago. Uh, it's still the beginning because in China it's not so easy to make a business. Why? Because you need to have the trust uh, of the Chinese uh, company. That is why you, our strategy today is to work first with international brand. Uh, we we talked uh, previously about L'Oréal. L'Oréal is a, a huge client for us in in, uh, in China. Uh, but we've got also Richmond, we've got uh, uh, HM, so we've got those international brands. And what is interesting, we are uh, working in China on the only mobile learning approach. Uh, 100% of our project, it's only mobile learning.
0: So what are so, your views about the future of, of mobile learning whilst you mention that subject? You know how, how important are things like uh, mobile learning uh, augmented? Uh, human augmenting and virtual reality things like that yes
1: so first mobile learning is a, and the mobile is a good device for uh, for training but um, we consider that uh, mobile learning is uh, easier when you don't need to download any app it means that uh, the access to any content has to be uh, um, seamless. So we are using, for example, in China, WeChat. WeChat is uh, uh, the biggest uh, social network in, in, uh, in China. It's like a Facebook uh, in, in Europe. Um, and we are using WeChat as a gate of entry of the training. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so uh, uh, for me, mobile learning is a way to, um, to
0: attract more and more learners in a in a device. Okay. So you, you also mentioned offices in Brazil. What's special about Brazil, and why have you an office there? Uh, at the beginning, it was to follow uh, the CITED Group
1: strategy because <laughs> they, they've got an office uh, over there. And now, so uh, Brazil is a, is a interesting country. Uh, sometimes people ask me, oh, "Where is?" and in which country you have the best uh, uh, training solution. And, uh, and for me, Brazil is one of them on the creativity side. They are storytellers. They are very creative. Sometimes too much. <laughs> I need to say. But they are really creative. And so they help us in terms of uh, graphic design, uh, storytelling, uh, and so on.
0: So, so in that... What would I say? Uh, The word I'm looking for is instructional design. That's it. Uh, Mm. Instructional design, you feel, uh, is quite strong in in Brazil. Uh,
1: More creative and and more creativity. Instructional design is strong, but uh, in Europe, Europe we can see instructional design stronger uh, than everywhere else, uh, I do think. For example, France. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for example, France. Your home country. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> of course, and uh, fr- fr- France is a it's a country of engineer. Uh, uh, after World War II, you know, we ha- we had to rebuild uh, our country, and it means that we we work a lot on the skills of our engineer. So maybe this is why we get a good pedagogical engineering
0: uh, also okay so let's let's say that someone wants to work with with you with learning tribes. Describe a typical project with one of your clients
1: We've got uh, five expertise inside learning tribes, and most of the time people want to start with the first one which is a consulting approach mm-hmm. uh, We are doing a lot of learning analysis sometimes said okay my New higher training sucks. It's too traditional, two more PowerPoint slides, and I would like to reduce the training or maybe to put into the mix some uh, uh, blended learning approach, but I don't know how to do that. So first, we, we start to work on the learning uh, analysis. It means that we go on-site, close to the learner we want to know more about uh, how the training is is delivered uh, today so and after that we can uh, give some uh, assumption or, or expectation how to improve the training uh, I- itself that's the f- second um, step uh, of our partnership is to build uh, training experience so it's instructional design Content creation in any way it could be ILT, VILT, could be also uh, uh, digital content. Uh, we talked uh, uh, before previously about uh, virtual reality. Yes, we can see and um, we probably will talk uh, around that. So we, cont- we create content. Okay. Sometimes, and I said to my clients, don't create, curate. It means that uh, on the web, you will find tons of uh, content which could uh, fit into your uh, training path. So that is why we have invested in a startup three years ago called uh, now EdFlex. Uh, This startup is a learning curation platform where you can find find thousands of uh, uh, content. It could be a MOOC, it could be video, it could be podcast as we are doing today. It could be um, articles uh, and so on. So they curate the web uh, in order to find the right content. And so sometimes we sell to our clients, it's not uh, we we won't create this content for you because we think you'll we'll get a, a better content on in the web on youtube for example
0: right okay you also have something called tribu which is i um, i let you describe what tribu is that that's a brand name for a product that you have internally it's at uh, learning drives Yes, we can say tribu, tribu. Oh, tribu for, yeah.
1: <laughs> for, <laughs> uh, uh, what is tri- tribu? Tribu is uh, our uh, learning experience platform. Everybody knows what is a learning management system, LMS. Yes. Uh, so, this is the next generation for uh, LMS learning experience platform. It means that inside on a learning experience platform, you will be able to put as I said, for example, you have crea- curated uh, Harvard business review articles or maybe a podcast uh, from you guys uh, or maybe um, a book. Uh, you can put all of that kind of content in one place. Um, so a learning experience platform is really a way to um, gather in one place all kind of content you can find. Uh, before an LMS was really uh, uh, oriented to uh, Scorm, uh, Scorm standard, yes. uh, and everybody can, was, can and all that stuff. Oh, yes, of course. And I, I don't feel this is uh, the future of learning. The mm. future learning is maybe a video I will create, or, or the learner will create for the others with their smartphone. But it's not a Scorm package. So, so it means that. Today, the training needs to be more open uh, and you need to have the platform which allows you to put into uh, those training paths uh, any kind of content. And uh, Tribu is one of those uh, platforms where you can uh, have more and more content.
0: So I'm curious, um, is there some kind of algorithm or AI, artificial intelligence behind the platform which learns... The 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 preferences, or learns what kind of content from which source to suggest for individual u- users or groups. Yes, um, this is an
1: interesting topic, and this is uh, what uh, drive our roadmap uh, for the following months and, and years. So. Okay. Uh AI uh, for us in in the training industry is what we call adaptive learning. So, adaptive learning is a way how we can present and how we can drive the best content for uh, each individual, Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe based on this performance. So, it means that... Um, the learning experience platform and the learning platform doesn't have those uh, uh, data today because it's uh, always uh, on the operation side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we need to collect all of those data in order to provide the best content at the right time on the right device for uh, for the learner. So yes, we, we, we have um, started to work on, on, on that kind of um, technology. But behind the scene, what you need to understand is even if you have the right uh, content, if you are working for K-12, and uh, it's much more easier because it's quite binary. It's, uh, the yeah, all, all it's, all it's mapped
0: to curriculum, isn't it? It's mapped to ads you know, yes. for young people.
1: Yes, yeah. but what we are doing the most is uh, soft skills training. But for soft skills, it means that you need to have a catalog of content, which will be, uh, we call it nuggets of content or piece of content, which can be um, consistent in a training pass, even if the training pass will be different between you, Mark, or between uh, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, in a, in terms of instructional design, it's a long path. Even if you have the technology and the platform, you need to sync your uh, content uh, like, like, like that. So you need to drive
0: uh, your content uh, strategy for uh, adaptive learning. So you're leveraging the preferences of people these days, which is increasingly to go online to look at places like YouTube or Vimeo or Wistia or a range of sources and to kind of learn things themselves. So the LXP, if I've understood this correctly, the learning experience platform, is less about using traditional archives or libraries of content distributed to people through a traditional learning path, but more about uh, presenting content to them given a particular learning requirement just in time. For that person. And thanks to adaptive learning, uh, there is technology in the works being developed, which will help people to, you could say, algorithmically at the risk of using big words today, uh, but, but learning uh, what people prefer to learn and how they prefer to learn those things.
1: Yes. Uh, so, uh, sometimes uh, I'm a little bit cautious about uh, what people prefer because we are in the corporate uh, training and right. and, and <laughs> our clients said yes uh, people prefer to learn about communication but i want them to learn first on my product right. <laughs> so 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 <laughs> there is some business goals we need to address um, but this is what you describe it's exactly where we are going
0: Right, so so one could argue, you know, there's there's some kind of benefit from from YouTube, but it doesn't mean watching cat videos. It it has to it has to be linked to some kind of business <laughs> need. So we want people to use the the LXP um, to to learn to learn content which is actually going to help them to do their job and achieve. Is that t-
1: yeah, that is why uh, I think it's important to have a, a good curation of content, mm-hmm. uh, and this is what we are offering, and it's quite unique on the market uh, with this uh, EdFlex uh, platform, where we can uh, and we can curate exactly the content uh, the company wants to 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 deliver to their uh, learner.
0: So that that content could come from a range of sources outside of the let's call it the intranet of the organization. It could come from a range of sources online.
1: Yes. Yes, but
0: yeah, exactly. Okay. So, um, so that, that's obviously a big part of the business, the idea of corporate universities. Do you see that as a future trend that organizations will want to create their own academies internally, their own corporate universities? And, And what is the reason that people want to do that more and more?
1: Uh, I think there is several reasons. The first one is uh, obviously uh, marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a way to engage uh, the learner and to be proud. Uh, sometimes training is not very well, um, uh, not well done, or, or the, the promotion is not very um, useful. So it means that uh, creating. Uh, Corporate academy is a marketing uh, tool in order to promote um, LND uh, strategy. That's the first one in order to engage uh, more the, the learner. The second one, and I think it's one of the big trends now. Uh, We always have this discussion between centralized and decentralized uh, uh, training. Uh, When you are talking about a global brand as uh, our clients, um, they are uh, more and more centralized even if the delivery needs to be local. So it means that having a corporate university allows you to define the big strategy uh, and also to have one tool. And this is probably what I hear the most: is we we don't want a tool, a uh, learning tool for each market. We want only one. Um, in order, and, and it will be easier for us to to manage uh, the, uh, only one tool. So, and and behind that, creating content. Every time our client said, "I need to check with my global uh, l department and uh, so the, the corporate uh, uh, um, academy in order to see if they have this content already in another language, for example, or also is if it could be a global project." So uh, I, I think the future is yes, uh, having uh, those corporate um, university uh, for marketing in terms of learner engagement, but also in terms of consistency
0: uh, for the LND uh, strategy. Right. So, so, so a tool like an LMS or a corporate university uh, could be, for example, used to get people to learn before they come on the job, so they're not sitting for two weeks in, in an onboarding. Uh, training mm. sessions so that people are up to speed quite quickly. And then I take it that you'd use some kind of gamification to reward people for um, graduating or, or being ready to, to do the job. Yes, and it's interesting to see uh,
1: uh, before day one, uh, before the onboarding, how uh, the L&D uh, uh, Specialists want to address uh, this. It's, there are no more candidates because uh, they have been hired. Maybe they will start in two weeks. So I agree to say that uh, the, the learning experience platform of the LMS needs to open the door to those uh, people who will start in few uh, days. Uh, and, and how we can address and we can uh, deliver some content to those people
0: before day one, it's something very important. Mm-hmm. So all, all of this that you're describing now, Philippe, that, that's, that's helped um, Learning Tribes to achieve, according to our last conversation, approximately 44% growth year on year, 2018 to 2019. What's next for you? I mean, that's a, that's a huge... Growth rate. What's next for you in 2020 around the corner? Now,
1: yes. So, 2020 uh, will be also on the same uh, growth rate. Uh, we are um, on, on a 42% growth rate for 2020. Now, you know, it's budget time. I mean, we are in October, so um, we 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 expect to do the same. So, how to do that? Uh, we've got several uh, strategic. Um, uh, Step for us. First one is the US. US is a big market for us. Mm -hmm. Um, We uh, opened US three years ago, uh, and in 2020 it will become the first market uh, compared to France, where we have still have a growth but uh, which is uh, more uh, 25% of growth in in uh, in uh, in France so it means that us for us is one of uh, the big driver of uh, the growth of our revenue the second uh, big driver for us is um, growing into uh, the technology uh, and we, we are a, a unique uh, company because we are not only a software company. We are not only an agency where we can create content. We are not only a consulting uh, company, but we are all of that. Uh, but what we, where we are growing the most, uh, to be honest, is on our technology side because all of our clients want to uh, change their LMS or want to improve the, the technology in order to drive uh, and to create more content and to, 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 to drive more business. So
0: technology um, will be the second pillar uh, for uh, our growth. Okay. Uh, w- what would you like to happen in, in 2020? Perhaps new ground, something you've not yet done. Or have you some kind of big, bold vision for, let's say, even three years from now? If you could go forward into your time machine, what would 2023 look like for Learning tribes. That's the easiest
1: uh, (laughs) question. (laughs) Maybe not? No. Yeah. In terms of footprint, I think we've got the right footprint today, and what we want to do is to grow the market where we where we are. It's more uh, on the technology side. um, uh, We've got uh, one uh, uh, crazy. uh, dream for uh, our technology side is uh, what we call no platform concept. It means that uh, what we would like to do to have is everything can become a, a training component. It could be a, a, a coffee machine discussion to um, uh, a chat uh, in your uh, uh, WhatsApp, or it could be also a video and so on. So we do think that the content will become more and more important than the platform itself. So how the platform is hidden, I could say, uh, in order to create the, the best learning experience. So we don't know where we go with that mm. uh, concept, but this is exactly in 2023 what we are working with Raphael, which is our CTO
0: based in uh, Shanghai.
1: is a no-platform concept.
0: Right. So uh, I think what you're alluding to is the concept that, that people almost, I mean, there was a time 25 years ago when people were consciously using the internet because you had to switch on this no, noisy modem and and use an acoustic coupler and all these kinds of devices. Uh, but now it's seamless. It's like electricity. You don't think of it. It's just there. It's always yeah, on. Exactly. Right. So we're kind of looking at to the future when perhaps through algorithms or through some kind of uh, amazing breakthrough, perhaps in quantum computing, that we're able to literally pull content from a range of sources and give that to someone in a way that they're not even aware it's being presented to them on a platform. It's simply there at the time they need that. This is exactly the concept. <laughs> and and and, <laughs> and and what what is
1: interesting because we are in a site group which uh, work on the customer experience journey. What we can see is exactly the same. As the learning experience, learner experience journey, or the customer experience journey are really similar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and as a client uh, now with uh, Amazon and those, uh, pro- uh, those provider, you can do uh, things without thinking
0: about it. <laughs> Look uh, Philippe, I'm conscious of your time. What would you say as a, as a last question today, if someone listening to this is perhaps, um, let's say a husband and wife or, a, or two partners, maybe a small company and they have aspirations to not necessarily be acquired, but they have an aspiration to grow their training consultancy, their coaching business, their learning training business, and work with the kinds of organizations we've mentioned today, uh, the the Nestle's and the large corporations. What tip would you give them about the first couple of steps to take, to be taken seriously by organizations of that caliber? um,
1: you, there is two two tips uh, for me. You okay. need to be to be the extension of those uh, clients. Uh, they've got their own team internally. They have already there some of their vendor. You need to show that you will be the extension of uh, of those clients. So same values, uh, same um, um, same words, or, or they need to recognize in you um, a colleague more than a vendor. So maybe that's uh, the the first one. The second one, you need to bring expertise. If they can do internally what uh, they want to outsource, they will do internally. It will be maybe cost-effective. So uh, bringing expertise, it means that you you need to be curious. And maybe this is the final word for me. Uh, As a training company, you need to learn, and you need to learn every day. You need to be a lifelong learner. Mm -hmm. Uh, because we don't have a magic formula, a magic stick. Uh, I know how it's hard to create content sometimes, but what you need to bring, yes, it's expertise. So being a a lifelong learner
0: is maybe the best way to achieve that. So in summary, uh, number one, be an extension. Don't just be a provider. Talk about uh, what you do, but talk about what we can do together. Talk about the... um, be an extension of their of their of their brain almost so that they recognize in you someone who can actually be a partner in helping them to achieve their goals. And secondly, to have expertise to help them to achieve those goals. It's not enough just to say, well, this is what I've done, but to actually understand that you need to play on the same side of the fence. And I think that's something someone said to me a few years ago. It's not about playing singles tennis. It's about playing doubles. You're now on their side of the net. So if someone wants to see you as an extension or someone who is a trusted advisor, to use that uh, phrase, that you need to really convince them that you are almost on their side of the net. You're not, you're not some external provider. You're not some commodity which can be easily replaced. You've got to convince them that you're inside, inside the room and you understand them and you sound like you're one of them. Is that a fair summary?
1: As a tennis player, uh, I like the, uh, the analogy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you play tennis as well. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Philippe, Philippe, many thanks for being our guest today here on the Training Business Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for your time also, uh, Martin.
0: Merci Philippe. Many thanks, Philippe, for being our guest today on the show here on TrainingBusiness.com. And thank you for the time this afternoon speaking to us live from Miami. And of course, we will share the episode with you and your team as requested. My sincere thanks, of course, to you as our listeners tuning in again this week for another episode of the Training Business Podcast. It's just wonderful to know you're out there. It's wonderful to know you're listening. We can see the statistics. They're up again on last week. And this podcast or any episode of this podcast would not be the same without you. So with that in mind, could I ask you to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts in your own time, because this helps us to promote the show and to attract the kinds of CEOs like Philippe and others, the kinds of people. And we've some really great names lined up for November 2019 and beyond into January 2019 or 2020, I should say. In fact, it's hard to believe that's around the corner now. But we want to attract the kinds of guests whose entrepreneurial journey can help you with yours. And for that reason, uh, your activity on our social media platforms, uh, on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn, of course, confirm to us that the kinds of content we're bringing you is indeed the kinds of content that you need and will help you to achieve your training business goals. You can check out the podcast every single Thursday on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, and of course, on Spotify. As I've mentioned, we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So feel free to check us out and to join the conversation. So until next week, when we have a fresh episode again, happy Halloween, and I look forward to your company then. Take care, bye-bye.